one morning I walked into a church, but it wasn't on a Sunday. I looked around and I saw the empty seats, the sun glistening through the dust in the air. At first I was distraught at the sight of the empty chairs, but then I was filled with joy. I realized that the people who were once in those chairs were now outside of the building, working at their jobs, serving in their communities, laughing with their co-workers and growing with their families. They had the opportunity to be the church, not just sit in it. When will we be like them? When will we see the opportunity given to us? to be the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing hope into the world. Stained glass can't pray for the sick. These walls can't preach the gospel, but you can. The building you're sitting in is just a building. But if you trust in Jesus, And you are the church. Amen. And that is the truth right there. If you believe in Jesus, you are the church. It's not the building. You know, we talk about that all the time. It's not the building. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, you become a part of the church. And so that's what we're talking about today. How awesome to see You know, I think it was seven or eight that went through the waters of baptism this morning. Let's give them another hand. Some of them are back in here. We're proud of you guys. We're proud of you guys. What they said is, hey, they're unashamed of the gospel. They're unashamed to let anybody know that Christ lives within them. They're unashamed to say that, you know what, I was a sinner who has been saved by God's amazing grace. I've asked him to come and live within me. He is working on me. I am not perfect. I am not yet attained perfection, but I am pressing on towards that which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. How awesome to be able to celebrate that. And here's the thing. That's what it should be. The church should be celebrating people putting their faith in Christ on a regular basis if the church is being the church. And that's what we're talking about today is being the church. And so we're saying unashamed. And, and let me just say this. When I think about unashamed, you know, a lot of times we say, man, they're unashamed. They just don't care. They have no cooth. They're, you know, they're, they're kind of almost over the top. But here's what I think of when I think of unashamed. They're unashamed to take a stand when everyone else is sitting. They're unashamed to stand for what they believe in. In other words, there's something that you believe in so much that, you know what, you don't care what anybody else is doing. You're standing firm in what you believe. So you're unashamed of the gospel. You're unashamed to be the church. You're unashamed for what you believe. And here's the thing. We live in a culture and a time where there may be persecution. And we've got to be willing to say, hey, listen, and am, I, am I unashamed of what I believe to the point that I'm willing to live it out day in, day out, and try to make a difference in the lives of people and fulfill what God has commissioned us to do through the Great Commission. And so we've got to be willing to ask ourselves those things. Are we willing to do what no one else may be willing to do because we believe? We're unashamed of the church. And so let's take a look at that today. The church is people who put their faith in Christ for salvation. We just talked about that. And so that's what the church is. And so whenever we talk about the church, it's not a building. There's oftentimes I'll ask someone, say, hey, listen, man, you know, what church do you attend? Or where are you? Are you a member of a church anywhere? And they'll say, oh, yeah, I go to that church over there on Sheila Boulevard. I go to that church at such and such. And many times they'll go, yeah, I go to that church uh, 
what is the name of that church? You know, they obviously don't go a whole lot. And uh, But the thing is, is we often connect it to a building. And so I remember whenever our boys were growing up, I, they would often say, hey, are we going to the church? I'd say, we are the church. And I would often say, I'd say, are we going to the church building? Yes. Are we going to where we gather as a church? Yes. And so I wanted them to kind of differentiate between those two, that the church is not a building. You know, this church could be blown away by a tornado, almost was a few years ago. But the church could still gather. It just happened in Wetumpka. It happened in Mississippi yesterday. There were storms that hit places. So if this building is gone, is the church still here? Absolutely. And so what I love, what happened over in Wetumpka, the church building was damaged, but the church still gathered and had services and actually probably grew in number because people wanted to be a part of the church, which is people that have been saved by the grace of God. And so the thing is, is we often kind of get confused or either we just kind of, we just say what we've always heard or maybe what has been passed on to us, that that's the church. And this is nothing more than a tool. I tell people all the time, God blesses us with tools. And we have an incredible tool that we are able to use for his purposes and for his kingdom. But this is just a building. And if we get to the point of where we worship buildings, we have idols. It's an idol. It's no longer, it's no longer just a building. It's an idol. If we make it about the building. And, and so there's, there was, I was looking this past week and doing some study and I saw this video and I think it's a pretty cool video. It's kind of informational. Uh, it's not the most exciting video, but it's got good information. It's got a lot of truth in it. And it's talking about the universal church. It's talking about the global church. And then it's talking about the local church. And, and so I want you to listen to what this guy says uh, about, you know, how we have the international church or the global church, uh, the universal church, if you will. And then we have the local church. So check this out. Check out this uh, video. What is the church? We're going to answer that question. Many people today understand the church as a building. This is not a biblical understanding of the church. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which is defined as an assembly or called out ones. The root meaning of church is not that of a building, but of people. It is ironic that when you ask people what church they attend, they usually identify with a building. Romans 16.5 says, Greet the church that is in their house. Paul refers to the church in their house. Not a church building, but a body of believers. The church is the body of Christ, of which he is the head. Ephesians 1, 22-23 says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. The body of Christ is made up of all believers in Jesus Christ from the day of Pentecost until Christ's return. The body of Christ is comprised of two aspects, a universal church and a local church. Diving deeper, the universal church consists of all those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. This verse says that anyone who believes is part of the body of Christ and has received the spirit of Christ as evidence. The universal church of God is all those who have received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. On a smaller scale, the local church is described in Galatians 1, 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. Here we see that in the province of Galatia, there were many churches, what we call local churches, a Baptist church, Lutheran church, etc. It is not the church as in the universal church, but rather is a local church, a local body of believers. The universal church is comprised of those who belong to Christ and who have trusted him for salvation. These 
these members of the Universal Church should seek fellowship and edification in a local church. In summary, the church is not a building or denomination. According to the Bible, the church is the body of Christ and all those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Local churches are gatherings of people who claim the name of Christ. Members of a local church may or may not be members of the universal church, depending on the genuineness of their faith. The local church is where believers can fully apply the body principles of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, encouraging, teaching, and building one another up in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so that gives us, hey, we've got the global church, the international church, you know, and, and, and then we have the local church. And, and so for anyone who's put their faith in Christ, think about this, like last Sunday in the first service, we had three people who made professions of faith. They put their faith in Christ for salvation in the first service last week. In the second service, we had tons of people in this room who put their faith in Christ for salvation. They become a part of the global church, if you will. Now, they may end up joining and being a part of the local church here, Journey Church. But they are a part of God's church as, as it is by their faith in Christ and Christ alone. That's it. And, and so the thing is, is we can join churches and sometimes we join by signing a card. But here's the thing. It has to be a faith decision for it to be salvation and to be a part of God's church. It has to be a faith decision. And it has to be, you know what, they have put their faith in Christ. It's the only way to join the church, uh, really, whenever it comes to salvation. So here's the journey church is that a local expression of the body of Christ. It's what we are. We're a local expression of the body of Christ. There's lots of churches in our area, lots of churches that, that hopefully and prayerfully are living out the gospel. They're living out what it means to be the body of Christ. We're a family of believers. We're just beggars who have, who have found food and we're telling other people where the food is at. And we're saying, hey, listen, man, come and feast on what God has for you. It's what we are. We're just sinners who have been saved by God's amazing grace. It's what we are. And we're just sharing with others what we have experienced. And so listen to what our, our statement is about our purpose statement here as a church. We exist to reach people who are disconnected from God and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. So that is what we exist for as a church. You know, our goal is not to suck people out of other churches. Never has been and never will be the goal of this church. And oftentimes, you know, there's things that happen. Like this past week, you know, there, there was some uh, things that happened with some pastors up in Chicago where a guy was let go and stuff. And, and, you know, and a lot of times we as Christians, what we do is we want to jump on the bandwagon. We want to talk about what was wrong. You don't really know what happened. I don't know what happened. And I tell people often, you don't know the full story. There's three stories. It's what, what you know, what the other person claims they know, and then the truth. You know what I'm saying? There's three of those in there. And so even one of our staff this past week began to comment. I was like, hey, listen, I would hold up on that. If you're not part of the problem, you're not part of the solution, then don't be part of the gossip. And so we have to guard against that as, as a church and say, you know what? We don't know the full story of what's happening somewhere else. So let's not be bashing someone. Let's build them up. Let's encourage them. And, and oftentimes, like I've had people say, hey, listen, Mike, there's another church coming to the area. Does that bother you? No, not at all. There's plenty of lost people to go around. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's lots of people in our community that don't go to church anywhere today. They're not going to, they haven't heard the gospel. They have not put their faith in Christ. And so we exist as a church to reach those who are far from God. And here's the thing, make disciples. Develop them, equip them, prepare them for the works of ministry. So we are a local expression of the body of Christ. But our prayer always is that the global church, the international church, if you will, the, you know, God's church will just continue to grow. The kingdom will be expanded. My prayer is that today somewhere, maybe in another time zone, 
There are thousands of people who are putting their faith in Christ for salvation. And prayerfully today, there will be someone in here that will put their faith in Christ for salvation. That's what we pray for. And so let's let's take a look at what it means to be the church. And like I said, we are, we are unashamed to be the body of Christ. So what does unashamed mean? Again, we believe this. We stand firm in it. We're willing to go against the flow if need be. And so what does the body of Christ look like? Read with me. It says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the with the body of Christ. Some of or some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put us each each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. That's important to understand. Care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. And here are some, here are some parts, uh, so, some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, and then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others. And those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we have all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most help, helpful gifts. And here, here's what I love. He's leading into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Y'all remember what that was on? Love. The greatest gift of all is love. What does the world need to see from us? Love. And like I said, when something happens at another church, what we want to do sometimes, we want to jump on the bandwagon, beating and bashing and battering this church. And what did it say up here about the church? If one part celebrates, it all celebrates. If one part is hurting, it all hurts. If you're really connected as the body of Christ. So we don't we don't look for someone else and hope that they don't do well. There's no competition between churches if we are all about the kingdom of God. We're all on the same team, moving in the same direction. We don't compete against one another. We're for one another. We're each other's cheerleaders. We should be each other's prayer warriors, praying that the kingdom of God expands and that the church, the global church, continues to grow. The kingdom of God continues to expand. And so that passage is saying that we are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. We are the hands and feet. We are the body of Christ. And so think about that. So... We are to use our hands to help build up the kingdom of God. We're to use our our voices, our mouths to help share the good news of the gospel, to teach, to equip, to prepare for the works of ministry. And so whatever we have been gifted to do, it says here, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He said, hey, listen, 
Don't put certain gifts on pedestals. Some of you guys are like this. Like, like Laurie and I were talking about this the other night. We were watching some show. And Laurie's always watching where they're singing or dancing or whatever. Something like that. And she goes, man, it is amazing. She goes, don't you wish you could just sing like some of these people can sing? How cool would that be? And I'm thinking, yeah, that would be nice. We, we don't have that gift. But, you know, the thing is, is what we do is we, we envy. We wish that we could sing like somebody could do or we could dance like somebody could do or we could do something else. But here's the thing. God didn't create, create us to do that. He created them to do that, right? Now, there may be some things you can learn to do, but there are some things that God has gifted you to do. And he wants you to do it because nobody else can do it quite like you can. Nobody else has the influence that you have among the people that you, you have in your life. And so what we have a tendency to do is we elevate certain gifts. We start thinking, hey, this is more important. That's more important. That's exactly what's talking about the body of Christ. And what we've got to understand is we all matter. Every one of us in this room, we all matter. What you do, how you're gifted matters to the kingdom of God. It matters to those who are on the outside looking in. You know, one of the things we often talk about here is, you know, that we always hope that when someone walks up, you know, that people begin to welcome them and make them feel welcome here. We want people to feel like, you know what, we want you here. We care about your soul. We care about where you'll spend eternity. We want you to be here. We want you to hear the gospel. We want you to experience what we've experienced. And so we talk about that on a regular basis, making people feel welcome, making them feel like, you know what, we care that you're here. And so as the body of Christ, that takes greeters and ushers doing that job. But it's not just what we do here on Sunday morning. It's how we live our lives. It's how we go about our daily walk. Some of you guys are teachers. Some of you guys are, you know, you you work in different ways. Maybe you're an engineer, whatever you do. But God has given you abilities. Use that for the kingdom. It's not just on Sunday morning as a greeter and usher, but it's what you do Monday through Friday. You know, and what you do the rest of the week. And, and, And we've got to be able to say, God, show me, help me to be on mission. So let's look at the next one here. There's another passage here. It talks about, it says, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work and they will work hard among, they work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholeheartedly love, wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with, with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you're wondering what God's will is for your life, he just told you. Here's the rest of it. It says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Who's he talking to there? The church. He's talking to the church and he's telling us, hey, guys, you want to know what God's will is? We, we often go through life. Man, I just wish I knew what God's will was for me. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. I wish I knew what God would have me to do in this life. And here's the thing. We can look in God's word and he tells us, hey, this is God's will for your life. So let's kind of look back through that passage for just a second. It says, number one, dear, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Instead of attacking your leaders, honor them is what it teaches it says, they work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Too often in the churches, we have bickering and bitterness and arguing and fighting and backbiting in the church. And what, that's what Paul is saying. Hey, let's live peacefully with one another. Look for the good in one another. Come to agreement. What is the thing that Jesus prayed for on John chapter 17? John chapter 17. Lord, let them be one as we are one. Unity. And, and what Satan loves to do is to cause 
disunity, disease in the church. You know, and so what happens is Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, make sure that you guys are one. You know, work together on things and live peacefully with each other. Listen to what it says. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Now, like this, if you're lazy, if you're sitting on your gifts, we just got through talking about being the body of Christ, and you're lazy, the Bible says, hey, listen, warn them it's not a good thing. Warn them that they shouldn't be lazy. Mom and Dad, you ever, you ever warn your kids, that, you know, that they're being lazy? Yeah, we do. You get aggravated with them being lazy. I can only imagine. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a messed up parent probably, you know, broken, sinful, all that. But God has assigned us certain things. He has given us things to do. And so one day we will stand before Him and we'll have to give an account of what we've done. And what I would like to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest, right? But what if he says, hey, Mike, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you use your gifts? Or why didn't you use your abilities? Why didn't you use your influence? Why didn't you leverage it for the kingdom? So let me ask you, are you lazy? He's writing here. He said, hey, listen, warn them about being lazy. Now, some of us, we've got gifts. We've got abilities. We can make a difference for the kingdom. It's not that we're lazy. We're just selfish. Anybody here selfish other than me? Man, I'm selfish. I mean, I am, you know, like turkey season's coming up. March 16th. I love the turkey hunt. And I'm kind of counting it down. And, and I'll be honest with you, I start trying to think, like, how, how can I arrange my schedule so that I can turkey hunt a lot? I ain't going to lie to you. I do. You know, and, and so I start trying to figure, hey, how can I make that happen? Who's got land that, you know, it's got turkeys on it that they don't like to hunt? You know, start figuring that stuff. So it's kind of like when you go out to eat. You know, you sit there and you say, you know what? I know what I want. And I really don't want what they want. So you start trying to think about how to not go eat what they want. That's probably going to be crowded. Y'all ever do that? Be honest. You probably do. Man, you know, I don't want to wait that long. You know, it's probably going to be a lot of people there. You know, and the last time we went there, it just wasn't that good. You know, you know, we manipulate things sometimes for what we want because we're selfish. You know, am I the only one that's being honest in here? But I'm just saying what we need to do is be honest. Sometimes we don't serve because we're either lazy or selfish with our time. We don't want, we'd rather just be able to walk in, sit down, get a donut, a little cup of coffee, and do that, hear the message, walk out, say, man, I feel pretty good, that was a good message, you know, and, you know, I'm going to go out and go to work this week, rather than serve. Because here's the thing, there's, it takes somebody to get out of their comfort zone to kind of say, you know, it's not about me to find a place to serve in the church. And I know some of you say, well, I don't, I, you know, I've, I've told them I would serve, but nobody's got with me. It doesn't matter, keep knocking on the door, do whatever you got to do, because here's the thing, you're the church. And every, every position matters. You know, every position matters. You know, I, like I said, when someone's walking up those steps, I hope that our greeters, you know, see that person and go, you know what? I don't know this person, but you know what? They may be coming to hear the gospel for the very first time. And one of the things that we often say, they may be hearing it for the last time. They may be hearing it for the last time. And so here's the thing is, God, help me to use my gifts to help someone kind of let down the walls you know why don't we why don't we serve donuts man we want people to feel welcome and just kind of bless people i, I walked by this morning after before the first service and the guy was eating a donut I said, man is that a good donut he goes yeah it is i said it's doubly blessed i said number one it's free and here's the other thing we pray for god to use those to literally help people kind of take some walls down and be open to what god might want to say to him, them today and you might be thinking what is that because here's the thing food kind of lets us kind of let some barriers down conversation, a hug, a greet, you know, somebody making you feel welcome, you begin to let the barriers down. Let me just say this. We, we, ask, we ask the teachers in our training, 
if they would, to pray over the, the kids that come in. So whenever you bring your child in, in, into our children's ministry, you know, they don't stop and lay hands on you. Hey, Lord, I just want to pray. We don't do that. But, hey, whenever you see that child, pray a blessing over that child. Pray a blessing over that parent. Because if that parent can see, that, hey, you know, my kid's taken care of, here's the thing. They will begin to kind of be open to what might be said in here. But if we don't take care of their kid over here, then they're really not really listening to what's being said in here. So we want this to be an environment where, you know what, they, they feel like, you know what, they care about my kid. They're praying over my kid. They're ministering to the needs of my kid. Now, I've shared this story a lot, but I went to speak at a church one time. It was about 15 years ago. And Lori and I got there. And I was speaking uh, twice, two services, and there was one Sunday school in between. And so while we're there, Laurie walks down to, to drop off our youngest son, who was about a year old, a little, little over a year old. And uh, she walks down, and there's a girl in the nursery area. And she said, is this the nursery girl? goes, I don't know. I'm just a volunteer. And, uh, and Laurie's like, well, where, where do I take my baby to the nursery? And anyway, so walk down the hallway, got this really nice lady. She came back. She goes, we'll take care of him, da, da, da. So anyway, so when we leave that day after speaking at two services and a Sunday school in between, Christian's, you know, his, his diaper had never been changed. Son, I was hot. I'm sitting there going, man, that is ridiculous. I said, what if I had been coming in as a lost person, wanting to find out about this, this, this truth that everybody talks about, this gospel that everybody talks about, this good news, and I'm open to the gospel. And here's the thing is, that was a part of me thinking, man, dude, if they can't take care of a diaper, how can these people know anything about the things that really matter in life? And so Laurie's like, would you calm down? You know, I'm saying I'm just thinking from a kingdom perspective as well. But here's what I'm saying is, mom and dads, if, if if your child is being ministered to and cared for, then you're a lot more likely to hear what God is saying to you in here. But if it's not taking place over there, that's why we want the best people over there in the safest place possible for your children. We want that for them. And so why do we go to that that great of a detail? Because we care about the details and we care about the decisions that are being made. And so here's what I'm saying. Changing a diaper matters. And sometimes it's more important than what I say. Changing a diaper matters. You know, greeting someone, making people feel welcome. We say this all the time. People make a decision whether or not they're coming back to a church in the first five minutes. They haven't heard me speak. They haven't heard the pastor speak. They haven't heard the music oftentimes. But it's how the church, the people, treat them when they walk through the doors. And so people make a decision in the first five minutes. Your job, our job as a church, is to make them feel like, you know what? This might be a place worth coming back to. And so we have responsibility as the church. And so look at what he says again. He says, live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, don't be lazy. So I'm telling y'all, don't be lazy. And don't be selfish. Make sure that you're, you're serving in some capacity. Think about this. Jesus, who was fully God, yet fully man, literally came down and served by washing the feet, the dirty, nasty feet of the disciples. He had a servant heart. He was a servant leader. And if we're a follower of Christ, then we choose to be a servant. It's not an option. And it's not just when it's convenient. It's part of our following him. And it's part of the commission. So warn uh, those about being lazy. Encourage those who are timid. I think that's kind of cool. That's in there. Encourage those that are timid. There's some of you that say, you know, I'd like to share my story, but, you know, I'm shy. Listen, you don't know anybody any shyer than I was when I was a kid. When I was little, if my mom and dad was anywhere close by, I was stuck behind their leg, hiding behind their leg. You know, and if somebody spoke to me, I would do this. And I would, I would look up under my arm at them. And that's how I, I, would, I was as a kid. You know, I was shy, super shy, didn't like being in front of anybody. 
Uh, I wouldn't give oral reports or anything like that in high school if I could if I could pass the class. Now, if I couldn't pass it, then I might have to do an oral report. But man, I hated getting up in front of people. And so I'm just telling you, God can do anything. But don't tell him what you're not going to do. I can remember whenever I was battling, surrendering to the ministry, I was like, God, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I'm not getting up in front of people. You know, and he, he's got a sense of humor, I'm telling you. And, and so here's what I'm saying is, you know, be willing to do whatever God uh, puts on your heart to do. Be willing to trust him. But don't, you know, if you're timid, don't think, well, you know, I just can't do it. Yes, you can. You're listening to the lies of, of the evil one. There's, there's times that people say, I, I can't say, I can't get up in front of people, or I can't do it on a video. You can and quit believing the lies, man. And here's the thing. You're so focused on you, you're not focused on the message that you, God's given you the opportunity to deliver. If you're so timid that you're not even using your voice or your abilities for God's kingdom, here's the thing. You have been robbed by Satan of that opportunity. And so you have listened to the lies, and instead of listening to the God that you claim you serve and that you've been saved by, here's the thing. Be willing to say, God, help me to overcome this timidness where I am used for your purposes and for your kingdom. And I'm telling you, you can overcome that being timid. And I love the fact that he's addressing that there. So encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Those who are weak among us in the church. The the Bible teaches us that we're to help take care of them. Those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Be patient with people. We live in an impatient age. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Listen to what he's saying. If someone hurts you, don't try to hurt them back. And that's our tendency. You know, hey, someone hits you, you hit them harder. You know, but the thing is, is Jesus is saying, hey, listen, hey, if someone hits you on this, this cheek, give them the other one. In other words, that we're not to pay back evil with evil, but to be willing to forgive and to be willing to do what is right. Whether they do right or not, we choose to do right. That's, that's, that's the, uh, God's will for the church. And then look what it says here. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. You know, some of us have to work at smiling. Uh, you know, I, I'm one of those whenever I get into something, I get focused, I get intense. I mean, it's just how I am. And uh, and I've shared this before. I was I was watching TV one day, and I was I was watching TV, and my son walks through, and he goes, "Daddy, what are you mad at?" And I said, "I'm not mad." And he goes, "Your face looks like it is." And I was like, "Well, I'm not mad." And so I smiled, and he was like, "Okay." And he walks off. You know, and he was a little bitty guy. And so, but when I'm watching something, I tend to focus or concentrate. And like if I'm sitting down with someone and they're talking to me, you know, maybe I should be sitting there smiling like, tell me more, tell me more. You know, but I don't. And so a lot of times I'm listening and I'm trying to hear what you're saying so that I can, number one, you say back to you, hey, this is what I hear you saying. And so I'm trying to work on my listening skills so I don't always work on my smiling skills. And when I'm teaching, a lot of times I am intense about what my, you know, what my points are. I'm trying to stay focused on what I'm saying. And so a lot of times I get that focused look. But here's the thing. There's some Christians, it doesn't matter what time it is, they're always sour pusses. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like they're just sour. They're bitter. They're angry. I'm sitting there going, man, you have been saved. You have been set apart. You are the, you are the bride of Christ. You have been redeemed. You're going to heaven. I mean, what is wrong with you? You look like you've been winged on pickle juice, man. You're, you know, you're like, dude, what is wrong with you? So here's the thing. There ought to be joy in a Christian's life. No matter if we're going through tough times, no matter if the weather's not good, no matter if it rains all year long, you still have joy. You still have joy. There ought to be joy in us that people ought to be able to see that, you know what, there's life there. There's something that, you know, I want. And if we're always walking through life like a sourpuss and there's never any joy, why would anybody want what we have? Why would anybody want that? And so he's saying it is God's will for us to be joyful. 
So maybe today you say, you know what? I'm going to choose to be joyful. I'm going to choose to be positive. I'm going to choose to be upbeat. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Let me tell you this. Years ago, before we ever moved to the central Alabama, one of the things that God put on my heart was the vision of Journey Church. He just kind of branded this on my heart, what Journey Church would be like. So before we ever moved here, before we ever knew where we would even be, I knew what Journey Church would look like. That may sound crazy to you, but it's just one of those things. When God gives you a vision, you, you know that's of God. And so one of the things and I put together, what, what we envision as a church, and one of the things we said is we envision a church where praying is like breathing. You know, we don't have to have a special service. Now, we'll do those, but here's the thing, is that our people would be people who pray. Because let me tell you, the church is supposed to pray. Paul, he's right, he's saying, hey, listen, the church should be praying, always praying. And, and maybe there's times you go through life, but, you know, there's times I'm driving down the road, someone, God will bring somebody to my mind, I'll start praying for them. I don't know what they're going through, and I'll often call them and say, hey, listen, man, I don't know what's going on in your life, but God just told me to, to pray for you. And he goes, well, let me tell you why God has you praying for me. And so I'm just saying we should be a people who are always willing to pray. This morning we gathered in, in the in the square this morning and we prayed over the prayer request. And we were praying over these prayer requests for people who have physical issues. They're dealing with cancer. They're dealing with all kinds of things. And we're, we're praying for people's emotional situations, their relationships. We're praying over them by name. We're, we're praying for spiritual things, for battles that are going on. We're praying for financial situations that are going on. So what I'm saying is we as a staff, we're in there praying and praying over these people. So let me ask you, you're the church. Are you a prayer? Do you pray for the leadership of your church? Do you pray for the church, the body of Christ that you're a part of? Do you pray for your community? Do you pray for your leaders here in this community? Do you pray for your state? Do you pray for your country? Do you pray for the leaders of our country? Now here's the thing. I'm not saying that you rail and rant against them. I'm asking you, do you pray for them? I don't, I don't care if they line up with what you believe or not. Do you pray for God to change their heart? Do you pray for their salvation? Do you pray for God to, to use them for His work, for His kingdom? So we should always be praying. And let me just tell you this. You know, when it goes back to serving, I think about the usher or the greeter or the parking lot team. You know, I think about those guys. Like I said, they're on the front lines because people make a decision in the first five minutes whether or not they're coming back. That I wonder how cool it would be if every week... Every car that passed by, they prayed a blessing over it. Not knowing who's in there. You know, somebody goes by and they say, God, I just want to ask you to bless that family. I don't, I don't know what's going on in their life, but God, I'm praying a blessing over it. And God, if there's somebody in that car that doesn't know you personally, I'm praying they'll hear the gospel and respond today. See, that's how you could serve. That's how you could serve. Maybe as a greeter, you see somebody walking up the steps, you know, and you go, you know what? God, I don't know where they stand with you, but God, I'm praying for their salvation. This morning, that's what we did. We came in here, even after we got through a pray first, we came in here as a worship team. And we went through the service and kind of talked about some of the details of the service. And then we get we spread out in the very chairs that you're sitting in. We prayed over those chairs, praying for God to bless whoever was going to be sitting there. And here's the thing. For those of you that don't know Christ, we pray that today would be the day of salvation for you. See, a church should pray like it's breathing. Because it should be really what 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 is breath in our lungs is, God, give me... Father, give me the passion for your people. God, give me what is needed to fulfill this mission. God, give me. So we're, we're asking God for his blessings and we're praying for him to bind Satan and his demons 
We, 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 we ask God for His presence to cover this place. We ask Him to bind Satan and his demons from any work that He wants to do in this room. And, and that this would be a place of freedom for people. That's what we, that's what we claim. And here's what I love. Is I love to be able to celebrate whenever He, God delivers. But a church ought to be a praying church. And, and, and as He says here, it's, it's God's will. So never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, no matter if it's going your way or not. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And then he says, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't hold it back. Don't cause you know, the Holy Spirit to have to take his hand off. So it says, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. What that's saying, hey, listen, make sure what is being said lines up with the word of God. It doesn't matter if it's some man's opinion. It doesn't matter if he's wrote five books or not. We say, well, he wrote a book. He must be an expert. Not necessarily. The thing is, is does what is being said line up with the book that matters? And so it says to test it. Make sure it lines up with God's word. Make sure it's the truth of God's word. And so it's saying, hey, listen, make sure that you test what is being said. Is this God's word? Is this truth? And if it lines up, and here's the thing, stand behind it, stand firm on it. So we are unashamed to be on mission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We said it earlier, that is why Journey Church exists right there. We're on mission. And our mission is not to suck people out of churches, especially the diseased sheep that are in other churches. You know what I'm saying? We don't want those. We want people who want to be here and who feel like God is drawing them here. I had a young man walk up to me after the first service. He said, I've been coming for about two months. He said, and man, I've been, I was saved years ago. He said, but man, he said, every time I get here, he said, God starts dealing with me. The Holy Spirit starts working in me. He said, man, I can't keep from weeping. He said, I feel like I need to recommit my life. I said, man, your recommitment can be as life changing as your salvation. It was for me. It's like the rubber hit the road then. It's like, you know, hey, I'm saved. But man, it's like, you know what? I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to grow in my faith. I want to be mature. I want to, I want to make a difference. And so this young man gave, he recommitted his life to Christ. And so for many of us, that may be the step you need to take. But it's, hey, we're on mission. We want to reach people with the life changing message of the gospel. But it's important to what? To make disciples. We saw them go through the waters of baptism today. You know, so they, they went public. They want everybody to know, hey, Christ lives in me. But hey, that's the beginning. It's discipling. It's growing up. It's becoming a faithful follower of Christ. I ask my elders and I ask our staff on a regular basis, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? So I'd ask you the same thing. You're the church. Who are you discipling? Who are you as an individual? Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you discipling? Who are you teaching what you have learned? Who are you sharing what you have found? Who are you discipling? You know, and, and I'd, I'd ask every one of you, who are you discipling? You might say, well, Mike, I don't know enough to disciple anybody. Then who are you going to ask to disciple you? Who are you going to pursue to say, hey, listen, I don't know how to disciple anybody, but I, I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want you to teach me. I want you to equip me. So who are you willing to go ask if you don't feel like you can disciple anybody now? But the commission is not just baptism. That's just one part. But it's to disciple, it's to build up, it's to grow and equip the believers. So who are you discipling? And here's the thing. If you're not at the point where you can, who can disciple you? And, and so we see that, that we're on mission to do this. So I want to talk about a couple things. I want to ask you a few questions. 
And we talked again earlier about are you unashamed? So here's the thing. Are you unashamed means I believe this. I stand firm on this. I am confident in this. I'm not willing to bow on this. This is what I, I, I stand. If everybody else sits down, if everybody else walks away, I stand firm. I am unashamed of the gospel. I am unashamed of the church. I'm unashamed to be the church. I am unashamed to be the body of Christ. I am unashamed to be on mission. And so let's, I want to hit a couple of things real quick and then we'll be done. Here's the thing. Are you unashamed to serve? I've already talked about it. Are you unashamed to serve? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get into a position where you are making a difference? Where you're, where you're literally serving just like Jesus did. That you're not on the consumer side of it where it's all about you. But you're saying, hey, you know, God, it's not about me. But God, it's about honoring you. It's about loving you. It's about serving you. And it's about loving other people and serving them. And so, God, show me how to serve. Maybe it's as a greeter. Maybe it's as an usher. Maybe it's in the parking lot. You know, it's fixing to be hot. And, you know, and we haven't had a real cold winter. But here's some. sometimes it's cold out there. And you might say, man, that's not for me. Somebody's got to do it. Maybe it's to change diapers over here. Maybe it's to work with the students. Maybe it's to hand out donuts. Maybe it's to go pick them up early in the morning. You know, hey, I'm going to serve. And, that, and let me tell you, that's just here. So here's my other question. What will you do to serve in the community? Maybe it's to be a, co- a coach, baseball coach, basketball coach, football coach, cheerleading coach. Maybe it's to teach soccer, whatever it might be. Maybe, hey, maybe it's to teach people how to read the Word of God. Maybe you're a teacher and you know how to teach people how to read. What if you were to say, hey, what? I'm going to teach people how to read by reading the Word of God. They get to hear the gospel. And whenever they understand it, they get to the point where they want to put their faith in Christ. I'll have the privilege of leading them to Christ. Maybe it's to go down to a, one of the soup kitchens that our, our church helps uh, support. And you go down and you say, you know what, man, I want to help get the food together. I want to help cook the food. I want to help serve the food. Maybe you go down to a target interface. Man, I want to go down and serve the body of Christ by going down and helping, you know, organize or straighten up or do whatever. I want to go to the Welcome Center in, in Millbrook and help, you know, get the food together. Maybe help hand it out. But I want to serve the body of Christ. I want to be the body of Christ. And so let me ask you, are you unashamed to serve? Here's the next one. Are you unashamed to give? You know, every week we take up a, an offering in here. And that offering is our tithes, which is, well, actually it's not our tithes, it's God's tithes. We're returning God's tithes. And it's our gifts, it's our offerings that we give. And so do we, are we unashamed to give? And I know many times people say, Mike, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. Are you willing to take the steps necessary to get to a point financially where you're healthy enough to be able to honor God's Word and be in His will? We offer a class called Financial Peace. To help you get to the point where you're debt free. You know, we'll, we'll do whatever we can to help you. But here's the thing, you gotta want to. You gotta be willing to say, you know what, man, I believe that giving is important. I believe that we should be giving, you know, to, in, to the church. I, I believe that we should be returning God's tithe. I believe that God blesses the tithe. We believe that as a church. That's what we say as leadership. So I'm asking you, do you believe that to the point that you move to action? In just a little bit, we'll take up an offering. And in that offering, you'll hear, you'll hear, probably hear Daniel say, or, or, uh, Nate, whoever's closing out the service, and they'll say, hey, this is worship for us. It is. It's because we believe that, you know what, God blesses that. And here's the thing, He will use that. One of the cool things, I had a guy call me this past week, let me just say, just the big give. The big give, we took in sixty something thousand dollars this year, or however much it was, I don't even know what the amount was, to be honest with you. But we've been able to support and bless so many different ministries. And we had, we had a segment left over that we said, you know, we're gonna save this for some, uh, some needs that pop up. And I don't know if y'all remember, but Pastor Mitchell, who was, whenever I was over in Africa teaching at the, uh, the, the camp that we were at, he was in a car accident. His wife was hurt. One of the pastors that was riding with him was killed. 
And they never made it to the conference where we were doing the training. And anyway, so our church had an opportunity to be a part of blessing him and providing a vehicle. His vehicle was totaled out. Our team that is going in April is going to be working with Pastor Mitchell. And so they're trying to get money together. They need about seven, eight thousand dollars. And so we were able to take some of the money. I think it was about five hundred dollars we were able to take that was out of that to say, hey, listen, put this towards Pastor Mitchell, a vehicle. And there's other churches doing the same thing. So here's what I'm saying. You gave so that you can help a guy who was part of the church, the global church, who is going to help share the gospel and even minister to our church as we show up to try to make a difference there in the lives of the people in his community. That's how the body of Christ works together. So your sacrificial giving literally is making a difference on the other side of the world. And so are you unashamed to give? Are you unashamed to invite? Are you unashamed to invite? Let me tell you what I mean by that. There's some churches, their whole strategy is invest and invite. You invest in some relationships. You invite them to church. We'll share the gospel. I don't fully agree with that. I don't think that's the most accurate way that we see in the scripture. So here's what I'm saying. I do want you to invest in relationships. I do want you to invite people to come and, and be a part of what God is doing here. And like I said, I don't want you trying to suck people out of other churches. If they're plugged into a church and they're serving somewhere, leave them be. But if you've got coworkers, if you've got friends, if you've got family that do not know Christ, invite them to come and be part of Journey Church. Invite them to come and hear the gospel. Invite them to come and see what you, are, you, you have seen and what God is doing in your life. So invite them. But here's the thing. Don't let that be the only thing you do. You also have a responsibility to share with them what God is doing in your life. You have a responsibility to share with them the good news, the gospel, and to offer them the hope of the world. So don't let, hey, I'm just going to invite them to church. That's good enough. No, it's not. In some churches, they may say that's good enough. I don't think it is. I think when I look at the scriptures, I think that we should invest, invite, and I think that we should share. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples. Go and baptize. Go and do whatever you can to reach as many as you can before Jesus comes back. And let's look at the next one. Unashamed to invite, unashamed to pray. We've already talked about that. I'm not going to camp out there long. But we should be a praying church. And man, if you don't know how to pray... You know, write it on your card. Say, hey, listen, I don't know how to pray. Will somebody help me learn how to pray? We will do that. We will help you learn how to pray. Unashamed to go. Talks about that all the time. I had someone send me a text this morning. Say, hey, listen, are all the slots filled on the Africa mission trip? I said, I don't know. I'll shoot Ken a text. I'll find out. So I've done that. We'll find out today if there's enough room for him to go on that trip. But they've already bought plane tickets. But there's a group that's going over there. So we as a church need to be praying for them as they go and as they try to make a difference there in, in Zimbabwe. And so go. Be willing to go. And here's the thing. You can go. And go does not mean, hey, I'm only going to go to Africa. That can mean to go across the street. That can mean, mean to go down to our target interfaith. That could be to go down to Montgomery to help in some form or, or way as a mission to your community. Here's another one. Unashamed to share your story. Understand to share your story. Your story is your testimony. Someone asks you, hey, would you, hey, Mike, would you share your testimony? Yeah, then I would tell them about my life before I was a Christian. I'll talk about what my life was like before Christ, when I heard the gospel and responded, what my life is like since then. And so I would tell them, hey, this is what I was like before, and I'm not going to spend all my time there. And I'll say, and then this is when I heard the gospel and I responded by faith to Christ. And this is what God has done in my life since then. To your testimony. So here's what, if we saw an accident out front, we were all standing out front and a car wreck happened. Bam! Somebody would come to you and say, hey, listen, would you be willing to give your, your account of what happened? What that is, is your story. And so they would say, hey, listen, would you be willing to come to a court of law and testify on behalf of that? Sure I would. And when you walk in, hey, put your hand on the Bible and you say, hey, I tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And so what you're going to do is you're going to tell what you saw. That is your account 
that is your story, and you're testifying to what you've seen. And so your story as a testimony, as a Christian, is what you've seen God do in your life. Man, this was what my life was like before. Man, I was searching. I was insecure. I was hurting. I, I was lonely. And man, I was at a church one night. I heard the gospel. And I realized that I've never given my life to Christ. I realized, man, if I were to die, I was going to bust hell wide open. And, man, I, and I had never been at a point where I felt like, you know what? I needed Jesus like that. And I walked an aisle. I gave my life to Christ. And then you begin to talk about what he's done in your life since then. You know what that is? That's your story. This morning as I was praying, two of the cards that I picked up to pray over, one of them said, I want to share my story. Hey, kudos to you guys. Two of the people said, hey, I want to share my story. Why? Because God will bless the testimony. He'll bless the reading of his word and he'll bless the power of the testimony. And some of you guys, here's the thing, goes back, some of you are timid, you don't want to do that, but I'm just telling you, when you share your story, there'll be somebody sitting out here that'll go, that's me. That's exactly where I am. That's exactly what I'm dealing with. And they're going to hear that, you know what, God has changed your life, he has impacted you, and they're going to want to put their faith in Christ because they've seen the change in you. And so sharing your story, so I'm unashamed to share my story. Here's another, unashamed to make disciples. We've already covered that, I'm not going to camp out there. Unashamed to make disciples. You're willing to either make disciples or become a disciple. So find someone to disciple you. Here's another thing. Unashamed to be the church. It's what we're all here about today anyway. You're saying, I'm unashamed of the mission of our church. I'm unashamed to be the church. I'm unashamed to stand firm. When anyone else around me may be putting down the church, I'll stand firm and be the church. And so you're saying, hey, you know I'm unashamed. So here's some next steps. Next steps. Next steps for me today, no one to attend a Connect class and join Journey Church here or either go and attend or find another local church. Maybe Journey Church is not for you. That's fine with us. Find a local church and become a part of the body of Christ at a local expression of the body of Christ. Here's the next one. To discover my spiritual gifts and commit to use them for God's glory and to help build up his church. Don't be lazy. Don't be selfish. But be on mission and be intentional about what you do. With your time, with your, with your gifts. And here's the thing, God is going to use you to do great things and make a difference. And here's the thing, all of us working together, all of us working together will have an impact, not only on our community, but it'll have an impact on our state if we're all making ourselves available to God. Here's the last one, to serve, to give, to go, and to share my story. That's your step. I don't know which one it is for you, but God knows what you need to do. What step do you need to take today? What step do you need to be moving towards it's going to be by faith. Some of you are timid. You've got to take a step. So what step does God want you to take? Maybe it's tithing. You haven't tithed. You're like, man, we, we, we've got other things going on. But you know, you know what? God blesses the tithe. He commands us to do it. Maybe it's to serve. You, you already know what your spiritual gifts are. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. Maybe you have the, whatever it might be. But you know, you just, you're like, I don't know where to serve. Well, come find someone and get them to help you figure out where that might be. Maybe you're a prayer warrior. Come to pray first and pray for the church. Whatever it might be, I just want to encourage you. Do something. Don't be lazy. Don't be selfish. But be the bride of Christ. Be the body of Christ. And not just here on Sunday mornings. But when you go to work, you go to school, you go to the grocery store. You go shopping. You go to lunch today. Be the church. Be a good ambassador. Be a good representation. Be a good witness. And here's the thing. Share the hope that you have. Share the hope that you have.
There's a card that we'll give you guys at the end. It's called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. The story goes that a guy wrote that. He's about to lose his life for his faith. They were wanting him to renounce his faith. It's a great card. Great statement. Lots of truth. Are you willing to be a part of the Fellowship of the Unashamed? I remember being at a wedding about a year ago. Young man, he had just graduated from UAB. Really sharp guy. I think he was in the medical field. Anyway, his mom had introduced me to him. Said, hey, he's going to be going uh, into the mission field. She goes, uh, I want you to meet him. So I met him. And Anyway, so he told me where he was going. I said, where are, you, where are you going to be going? He told me, and I said, they're hostile to the gospel. He said, yes, sir. I said, you realize, and I wasn't trying to scare him. I said, you realize they're sharing your faith could cost you your life. He goes, yes, sir. I said, you still want to go? He goes, yes, sir. I said, how awesome. Unashamed. We get, we get pushed back, and a lot of times we say no because we're afraid we might get embarrassed. And here's a kid. I'm talking about a sharp kid who's willing to put his life on the line to share the good news. Can't we cross, a, cross maybe a, a hallway and share with a coworker? Can't we go across the road and share with a neighbor? Can't we, can't we maybe go over and have breakfast with someone or dinner with someone or coffee with someone? Can't we... Put, you know, just go out of our way to do that because their life is on the line. See, that's what he understood. It wasn't about him losing his life. He lives forever, man. He's a believer. But the one who does not have Christ, what if they die? Then here's the thing. Then they experience hell for eternity. And so we as the church should be willing to be the church, unashamed of the gospel, and be willing to do whatever it takes to reach those who are living in death. To be able to lead them to a place of life. Let's pray. Maybe you're here and you never put your faith in Christ. You've never received Jesus by self, for salvation by faith. And I want to encourage you to do that. You've already heard all day long. That's why we exist as a church. Is to reach people with the life-changing message of the gospel. And if you've never put your faith in Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. So how do, how do you do that? You just, and and it, I'm telling you. It's so simple, it will almost make you question it. But Jesus said if we would believe in Him, if we would put our faith in Christ for salvation, if we would believe that He went to the cross, He died for us, He he was buried in a grave, He was resurrected by the power of God and the Spirit of God, and if we would put our faith in Him, believe in Him, surrender to Him, He will literally invite us in to be part of His family and make us His own. And so if we confess our sins, Jesus, I have sinned, I have messed up, I have blown it. We confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And if we repent, if we quit living the way we've been living and we turn to Him, that's repentance. We become His child, adopted into His family, co-heirs with Christ. And so if that is your decision, if you have prayed to receive Christ today, man, we want to celebrate that. And the next step would be following Christ in believers' baptism. We want to put a Bible in your hand. And so if that is your prayer, if you pray and say, Jesus, I, I want to ask you to come into my life. Change me. Save me. I want to confess to you I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. If that's you, if that's you, then here's the thing. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are saved. That's what saves you. That is what does it. And I know we want to qualify it, and I know we want to do other things, but I'm telling you, that is it. It is the gospel. That is the good news, that God loved you enough 
to do it all. And so if you just made that decision, nobody's looking but me. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that was me. I just prayed that prayer. I just prayed to receive Christ by salvation. Anybody in the room? Just be, hey, have the courage to raise your hand. Anybody? Raise it up high where I can see it. Anybody? I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand back there. Let me just say, hey, look. Those of you, everybody else keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. But those two that just raised your hand, look up here. If that is your decision, and if that is your prayer, you will be saved. You become a part of the family of God, His child. Does that make sense? If you, if that's your decision, by faith, you're saved. Nothing else, not by works, anything else, but it's by faith. If you believe with everything that's in you, what you pray, the Bible says that you're a child of God. And you get to be a part of His family. We're glad you're here today. You're the reason we planted Journey Church. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for these that are in this room. God, I thank you for these two that raised their hand for salvation. But God, it tells me there's tons of people in this room that have already put their faith in you. God, they are the church. God, help us to be on mission this week. Help us to be the hands and feet, Lord Father, of of Christ this week. God, I pray that you would bring conviction today if we've been lazy. God, if we've been selfish. God, bring conviction. I pray that you would break our hearts over that. But God, show us whom we might serve today. God, show us whom we might be able to minister to today. God, show us who is weak among us that we might be able to care for them. God, show us whom we might be able to speak truth over. And God, just love someone. God, show us whom we might be able to encourage today. God, thank you for being here. God, thank you for meeting with us. And God, thank you for trusting us enough to use us as your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.